Hey guys, welcome back to the Designer to Designer podcast show. It has been a while, I know, I know, I've been getting so many DMs asking when we're going to be back, when's the next episode, and I also saw so many people tag us in the Spotify like wrap-up thing that they do, which is super nice to see how many of you listen to this podcast like every week, which I honestly truly appreciate because there's a lot of work that goes into booking guests and editing and making sure that it's perfect for you guys to listen to. And even with that, I felt like we needed to take a break to really think about the direct direction sorry, of everything and where things are going and how we can improve and be better. And it was timely because we're going into a new year. I'm recording this on the 2nd of January, but this episode was actually recorded like a month ago <laughs> so we've got all our episodes ready which is good because you know that you want to get them weekly but I'm really excited for this year and I don't know how you guys feel about a new year or new year's resolutions etc for me I like to plan you know a month in advance before the year because I like to get myself into that headspace of already becoming that woman that I need to be to achieve the things that I want so it's really good that this time around I'm going into the new year and I've already been doing the work and what I'm trying to do is going to be challenging it's going to be exciting it's going to be rewarding but it's not as frightening because I've given myself a month to really focus on what I want I don't know why I'm telling you guys this but (laughs) I don't know who needs to hear this but take 2022 seriously go after what you want to achieve and be bullish about it and I think sometimes when people talk about you know being bullish about their goals and everything they always think it's an outwards experience it's about the people that we're around it's about proving other people wrong but it's about proving yourself wrong we all have limiting beliefs we all have things that are stopping us that are so internal and the only way that we're going to get past those things is to be bullish with ourselves so when you set those goals, look past your, your current circumstances, look past what you've already achieved, don't make it too easy, make goals that are going to stretch you, because in that process, you will be stretched forever, and that's what you want, you want goals that are going to make you progress and just become a better person, so um, that's my TED talk, <laughs> but yeah, so we're back, back to regular programming, um, I'm excited, weekly episodes, and this first episode, we have Kara Melzak. She is the founder of Kara and the Sky, which is a premium knitwear brand based in the UK. So Kara's path into fashion began with her career as a fashion buyer, which as you probably spotted on the podcast, a lot of people were buyers before they became designers, which is quite interesting. Um, she's worked at, you know, very well established retail brands, including Ted Baker and uh, I believe Emmons Co. And it was there where she really honed in on her skill set and discovered a passion for knitwear. So once she became redundant in her last position, Kara made this, you know, huge life changing decision to take her 12 years worth of experiences and start her own brand, obviously launching Kara and the Sky in 2019. And they've had amazing success, you know, they've been nominated for Draper's Independent Women's Wear brand uh, for 2020. And they're also stocked in over 65 boutiques across the UK and Ireland, which is every designer's dream. You want to be stocked everywhere, right? Um, independent brands and like more established retailers, etc. So it's exciting to hear. But of course, Kara's journey has not been easy. And I really got to know her because we produce, if you don't know, we produce the Dear Designer book, which is a coffee table book. And it's so exciting. We've got 44 letters, including my own from fashion designers all over the world, writing a letter to the younger selves or to the next generation of designers. And Emma, who produced the book, in our team she um she found Kara and I had a conversation with Kara because she has a baby and she was quite busy so I was like okay we'll, we'll figure this out so I was talking to her on the phone and I just loved everything she was telling me and I was like we need to get you on the podcast because your story is so fascinating there's so many lessons and what I love about this episode is how practical it is in terms of the advice that Kari gives and it touches on so many different points so you're really going to enjoy this this episode guys and you might hear Kara's baby <laughs> in the background but I didn't want to re-record it I didn't want to 
you know, give you this polished version of audio just for the sake of it, because I wanted you to understand the reality of being a businesswoman or a businessman or just a business owner in general or a fashion designer. And to see that sometimes, you know, you've got a baby and you're doing this and you're doing that and you've got all of these responsibilities. And I just love the fact that Kara demonstrated that like, hey, this is my circumstance, but I'm going to do it well. And she came and she delivered the best episode. So enjoy. This is the longest intro I've ever done, but it is super great. And yeah, I honestly look forward to just delivering more episodes this year. Make sure you leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify now that they're doing ratings. And of course, share it with anybody you think will find this valuable. Speak soon. Welcome to the Designer to Designer podcast show. This is a safe space created for aspiring and startup fashion designers entrepreneurs. Through this podcast show, I sit down with some of your favorite independent designers and give you exclusive behind the scenes access to their lives and brands. I aim to make sure you get to know the designers for who they are and finally engage with relatable stories. We touch on everything from mindset to finances to their childhoods and their biggest, wildest fashion dreams. This podcast is hosted by yours truly, Rebecca Tembo, founder of a self-titled women's wear label and the entry platform which produces this show. Now sit tight, enjoy the ride and get ready to be blown away by today's episode. So Kara, you've worked in the industry for 12 years and during your career in fashion buying, you discovered a passion for knitwear and the technical side of it. So firstly, how did your previous experience set you up for Kara and this guy to launch in 2019? So yes, I think working in a head office retail really helped get me, not every, like I didn't learn everything, but it kind of got me a good understanding of how to put a range together and how to run a business in the sense of what avenues I wanted to go down so I started my started my career at Ted Baker and they always had a wholesale business model as well as a retail business models and the last place I worked was a brand called Lost Inc and they were purely wholesale so when I started my business I knew that I wanted to definitely have the wholesale side as well as the retail side to kind of support the growth and if I hadn't have gone through those particular brands, I wouldn't have necessarily learned that that's the way I wanted to set up my brand. I think, yeah, just having that head office retail experience and how to put a range together really has helped make sure that the products I'm designing all have a place, that they're all doing something different, that they all sit well together, that they all harmonize together as well. So when people are coming to buy from me, they can buy it as a full collection rather than individual standalone pieces. And that's just a skill that I just learned throughout the 10 years of, uh, of, um, of, yeah, working my way up. But then I think just having just, you know, living and breathing production, I very much came from the buying side. So, you know, I learned how to source factories. I learned how to do all the costings. I learned how understanding of what packaging might need to go into it what labeling all the different elements that people don't necessarily think about when they're starting a business like yes you can have your product but then what about everything else you know are there any special special things you need to have on the labeling if it's a particular type of product does the product need to be tested depending on what country you're going into the wording might need to be different on the labeling you know, there's so so many different factors. <laughs> um, but however well educated I thought I was coming into this, you do quickly learn that there are lots of different elements of the business that you don't know about. <laughs> and but that's okay as well because you learn as you go. So I was great at sourcing and putting the range together, but there are different elements like finance like logistics that I had to very quickly learn how to do I think it's yeah building on just experience and even if you haven't come from a head office retail experience that's okay because you've still built up skills that are definitely going to be transferable yeah (laughs) it's so funny because a lot of the guests that we have on the podcast like a lot of them started um, in fashion buying which is so interesting 
crazy. Yeah, like we just had more with the label. That was our last um, episode. Oh, yeah. Oh, amazing. Yeah, so it's very interesting. Um, so if someone is looking to become a knitwear designer, what are the three things they need to be ready for? Well, the key three things. There's so many, as you just said. Yes, having many hats, wearing many hats. When you become a designer, you obviously have your product that you're really passionate about or your specific area, but that is actually quite a small part. Once you've got the product made or sampled, that is a very small part of what it is to running a business. Suddenly, you have to be a salesperson because you need people to go out and buy your product. And whether that's going down the wholesale route or whether that's just going down a web, your own website, you know, you need to sell. So you need to be a marketeer. You need to be a social media guru all of a sudden. You need to be head of finance because you need to make sure that you're costing everything and that you have a cash flow. You know, there's suddenly all these different elements and you have to be ready to kind of just jump on it and not be scared to look into those parts of the business because if you want to run a successful business you're going to have to know and learn about it all probably the next thing is time everything takes time (laughs) everyone looks at these perceived overnight of brands but actually they're not overnight successes that someone's been grafting there for a good you know five ten years good example is Gymshark everyone thinks this is an amazing overnight success I just you know some leggings in my garage the next day I'm going to be a millionaire like no he's been grafting for 10 years to get his business where it needed to be which is an incredible story but I think the perception of these Instagram brands it's you just need to be aware it's going to take some time and then the other element of time is sampling takes time production takes time whatever lead like lead times you have and whatever deadlines you're putting yourself or like launch dates just like add another six months into that especially when you're a new brand just starting with new factories and you've probably got small units you're not important and they will bump you (laughs) so everything takes time and I think you just have to be okay with that and kind of take the pressure off if you've got launch dates that you're planning make sure that they're loose launch dates, which is hard to do, especially when you're planning photo shoots. So you've got deadlines because you've got a trade show that you need to get your samples to, or, you know, there's lots of hard deadlines, but I think just build in a lot of buffer and just accept that sometimes you're going to miss something, but that's okay because then another opportunity will pop up later. (laughs) And then the last, I guess, following on from that is setbacks. You're going to have a lot of setbacks. (laughs) your samples won't come in right first time your production won't come in right you'll miss an opportunity or you'll send samples for press and they don't select you or the sample never makes it on time because it gets caught up in customs you thought a brand was gonna take you on board like a boutique was gonna stock you and then they turn around and say no sorry it's not quite right you know you're gonna have a lot of setbacks in this but again that's okay you just have to learn from each setback. You have to understand why it's happened. And, you know, maybe there's not even a reason why it's, why it's happened. Just it's not quite right for that timing. And you just have to accept it and then move on. You can't dwell for too long. <laughs> it's true. You have to just move on. Because once you dwell, you get caught in this trap and then that's it. Things just go out of control. Yeah. Yeah, there's so much to it. But thank you. Yeah. Great tips. And I think they're relevant to any design or even business owner in general. Like things happen, but it's just about putting on your entrepreneurial hat and thinking, okay, yeah, yeah how do we move <laughs> past this? What's the next thing? What's the plan? Absolutely. So you initially funded the first year of Cry on the Sky through Startup Loans, uh, Fashion Angel and the Startup. So for our listeners who don't know about these platforms, who are they? Um, how do they help early stage startups? How do the process work for you? So Fashion Angel is this amazing body of people who are there to support startup businesses. They run a lot of courses and they have like a membership that you can join. But the, how I found them was through this loan called the Startup Loan, which is a government-backed loan, where they have like a really great interest rate. And they are connected with Fashion Angel and basically they support, Fashion Angel support you throughout the whole process of getting this application 
Um, and if you do it with Fashion Angel, they give you six months of free mentoring as well to kind of help guide you. So, yeah, because when you apply for these things, for, for any loan, especially a business loan, you have to do a whole business plan, a whole cash flow. You have to look at your competitors. You have to look at your customer profiling, which sounds obvious when you're starting a business. But a lot of people end up skipping that section because they're like, oh, I know what I like. I Or like, I know what I want to design. I know my customer already. Like, I've already got it in my head. But it's so important to actually go through the motions of doing that because it really fine-tunes your business. One of the key questions that is always asked is, what problem are you solving? You think, that's a bit of an odd question when I'm like a creative designer. But the whole point is that your product is offering something that no one else is offering or offering it in a new way. And it really makes you think. And then that, that just leads into everything. Of how you're going to market it? You know, what are your buzzwords? What is really going to connect with your customer? And how, how are you going to sell the product at the end of the day? Yeah. <laughs> So Fashion Angels really helped me navigate all of that, guided me. Then they were just there for support, which was amazing. I had a mentor, we caught up, we chatted. It was just nice to have someone there that I knew could support me if I needed it. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you. So I'm actually going to put their link in the description as well so people can easily click onto that because I've seen them work with so many people. And there's other schemes as well, like the Verge of Startup Loan version. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's, um, is it the Princess Trust? Oh. I have a friend that used that as well. So Yeah, there are a few that the Startup Loan is affiliated with. So you don't necessarily have to, have to use Fashion Angels. I just, I found them really great and specific to fashion, whereas exactly. the Virgin one is you know it's all businesses not necessarily just fashion yeah and it's difficult to find some which are just specific to fashion as well because everyone is just kind of like focused on entrepreneurship in general so it could yeah. be any business but fashion is obviously a very uh spe- specific niche or industry so mm. you have that advice directly from people that work in it so amazing I'm glad that worked for you as you mentioned before that well I think when we spoke before that VAT really stung you <laughs> in terms of how to include it where not to include it and just the whole process of it so what have you learned from that experience when it came to VAT and how can designers prepare for it? I think it's just understanding your numbers right at the beginning of the process because I had like mapped out everything and I I had just calculated VAT. I don't even think I researched it. I think I just thought I knew what I was doing. And so it looked like I was going to make all this money. <laughs> and then like actually the reality was like something I lost 3%, um, which, you know, when you're factoring these things in, and you'd already started the process, suddenly you're like, oh no, mm, right, that's not, I'm not going to be making what I thought I was going to be making or forecasting to make what I thought I was going to be making. VAT is a really tricky one because you have to, you don't, you only have to hit a certain threshold before you actually need to register your business. You have to like be turning over a certain amount. And again, this is just my experience. Like I can only say from my experience, it may not be, it's not necessarily the right way to do it, but I always wanted to get myself VAT registered at the beginning because, you know, I had high hopes that this brand was going to go somewhere. And I thought, so I'm just going to keep It's okay. Don't worry. <laughs> Sorry. It's all good. Don't worry about um, it. Yeah. No need to apologise. So I always thought, you know what, let's just build it in right at the beginning because otherwise you get to your get to a position where you have to build it in later on down the line and then suddenly you're going to have to charge your customer 20% extra to you know make up the shortfall or you just suddenly have to swallow that 20% and that's quite a lot of quite a lot of money so I think it's just knowing the financials right at the beginning but it's also like knowing every single element of your financials which is hard to do at the beginning because there's so many different, there's so many things you just don't even know, like how much VAT you might end up paying. There's loads of hidden costs that just randomly crop up, which you haven't accounted for. But doing the business plan and doing a cash flow early on forces you to really look into these things. Like there's templates you can use and it like, you know, how much insurance is going to be. I'm like, oh yeah, I need to get insurance. Who knew? You know, how much is your accountant going to be? you know, all these things you have to pay for. <laughs> um, and you have to build it in to your costs. Um, and a lot of the time you have to pay for it before you've actually 
made money yourself or started selling like how much is your sampling and so there's so many costs so I think it's just really knowing what they are up front just so you don't catch yourself out and just so at the end of the day your business is going to make a bit of money (laughs) and I guess uh, Fashion Angel helps you with creating that whole like forecast and Mm. knowing what to expect right because absolutely uh, yeah I guess for others that won't be or maybe wouldn't have that support initially. I think just speaking to an accountant is really helpful as well because they are yeah. able to tell you all the things that you basically just don't know. Because if you yes. have something that can catch you, I think it's 85,000 maybe. Yeah, yeah. The threshold is, yeah. Once you hit that, you have to start paying VAT. And it's something, there's costs that come with that as well because people get excited. Like, oh, I get this money back, but then you also have to pay <laughs> something. Yes, yes. So the beauty of it is that, yes, you can claim back VAT on every business expense. If you've had to pay VAT, you can claim it back. But then also if you start selling, you have to then pay it. It's about yeah, it. <laughs> the whole thing. Maybe we'll bring an accountant on to yeah. talk about it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, thank you for that advice. And guys mm-hmm. listening, just make sure that you're up to it with your numbers. Even I was doing some business planning for the entry platform recently for 2022. And it was literally just like, what do you expect? Everything that we thought would come in through numbers, everything that we thought would come out, we had to include tax. Because when you don't look at tax, everything's great. And then when yeah. you look at it, you're like, oh, yes, there are other things. So, yeah, something for people to kind of like bear in mind. Well, another challenge that you struggled with was logistics. And um, that's been really challenging for your business. And I guess we'll speak about it in a bit, but you also are stocked in 65 boutiques. So there's a lot of logistics here because you have, you know, your website. So you've got your DTC, then you've also got, you've also got, you know, having to ship over to all of these other boutiques that are located in different places. So what were those initial challenges that you faced? I think it was just the volume for our second collection last year, I'd never expected us to grow so quickly, so fast. Um, it was just the sheer volume of servicing 65 boutiques, like all in one go. Packing up all their orders, boxing them up, making sure we were, I was sending the right things, organising the, the shipping labels or organising the couriers to come and collect it. Like the volume was just nuts, which was something I could never have predicted. You just have to be super organized when you're doing it yourself like I had a thousand different spreadsheets all tracking the different orders it was all color coordinated for whether I'd packed it whether I'd created the shipping label whether it gone down to be collected whether it actually had been collected you know just so you're really when you're looking after a lot of things all in one go you need to have a system because your head won't remember it. Even if you think it's going to, it just, you just won't remember it all when you're, especially when you're under time pressure as well. I mean, it's depending on what type of product you have, you, it does differ. Like if you're doing jewelry, for example, which is very small, you probably can just manage that in your home. And even if you've got lots of orders going out, physically, the space is smaller that you need and it's easier to pack. Whereas my knitwear, you can only really fit like maybe 10 mats, 10 garments in a box, in a by like a fairly reasonably sized box. So just the space that I needed suddenly <laughs> was quite a lot. And you need somewhere to store it, but then also you need somewhere to work as well. And the storage unit I was renting was definitely too small to physically work in there as well. But, you know, you just have to make do because I could only afford a certain space at that time. Um and it's, you don't even think about that. You're like, oh, yeah, I've got my storage unit. But then you have to think like you actually need space to pack the orders <laughs> in a logical way. <laughs> so when you're starting out, you kind of just need to have a think about how you're going to store everything. And if you are packing it out yourself, how what is that going to look like? You know, if you're going to do something where you're hand wrapping it with tissue paper and adding the sticker on like you're going to need a proper workstation set up you're going to need all your materials easily accessible so it's you make it a smooth process yeah there's lot yeah there's lots of things and also it's all time as well you know if you're I decided also because I want to minimize my packaging as much as possible I decided not to go down the route of adding extra tissue paper a because I want it to minimize my packaging and B I just knew I didn't have the time to do it because it all takes time and you have to remember to build in that time because time is money and if you're spending you know 20 minutes packing one order that is not 
cost-effective way of running a business. <laughs> so, you know, there's just these things. But if you do want to go down that route and you've got a luxury product and you're paying, you know, someone's paying a premium for it, then that's okay. Then it is fine that you're spending 20 minutes packing one item. You know, so it's just it's just things to think about. And there's no right way. There's no wrong way. It's just you just need to be aware that it's a consideration. It's not just going to happen by magic. If you're unpacking yourself, you're the one who's going to have to actually do it. And if suddenly it goes mad, and you've got 50 orders over a weekend, you're going to have to be able to manage that. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. I remember like last year when I was sewing all of these kind of like loungewear jumpsuits, they'll definitely priced at a very like accessible price point, like around the £100 mark. And, you know, it was great getting in the orders, but I was also sewing them at the time. And oh, wow. when it got to, well, I would a- aim to sew like four a day, which... Yeah. When you sew, you just learn how to do it very quickly, basically. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that'll be fine. But then I'll, you know, I'll start in the morning, finish in the evening, and I will have no energy to now go and pack and then yes. quick and then you know still do the entry as well. So whether there was a podcast interview or something like that, I had no energy. So I had to get in people to actually come in and help me. And I'll just I'll create a process. I'm all about processes and yeah. make a nice PDF, make it all nice and fancy. But <laughs> I'd give them that and be like, here you go. There's no need to ask me any questions. It's all in this PDF. Yeah. And literally <laughs> just get on with it because I could not spend 20 minutes packing and making sure it's perfect because that 20 minutes is cutting away from the time that I need to actually go that's it that is it and when you're running a business like you need to just spend your time wisely on the activities that you're doing um because there's only so many hours in a day and if you want to actually have a life (laughs) outside your business which at the beginning you generally don't but you know maybe that was the point I should have meant (laughs) at the beginning that you do have to kind of sacrifice a lot at the beginning not everyone does. Other people, I'm sure, manage running a business in a different way. But at the beginning, you do kind of have to prioritize mm. parts of the business over other parts of your life. But yeah, you just need to make it manageable for you. And it takes a while to get to that point. You know, last year, I did the logistics myself. And I knew it wasn't manageable, especially now I've got a little baby. So that's what led me to source a third party fulfillment and warehouse center which is a whole other story. (laughs) Before we get into the 65 boutiques, I wanted to actually speak about the growth of the brand because like you said, it just happened quite quickly and you launched in 2019. So it's it's 2021 as we're recording this and that's only two years. So what do you think really helped create that momentum and yeah, just bring the brand to where it is today? Strangely, the pandemic really helped my business grow. (laughs) <laughs> which I know for some people is not the case. The pandemic really helped. So where obviously everyone was locked down and all people were looking for were cozy knits, that's something, a product I could suddenly offer. And it was, you know, new and exciting. It was a new brand that lot of these boutiques had never heard of stocked before. And the fact that it was made in the UK, I think was a really nice story and a really nice message that customers at the time and still are, obviously, there's a whole new wave of shopping small and shopping local and supporting your independent high street. So my brand just kind of really lent itself to the message that was happening there and then. And I worked, I've got an agent that I work with. So between the two of us, we reached out to what felt like almost every single boutique under the sun. <laughs> so, you know, would you like to stalk me? Would you like to stalk me? And I think where is suddenly switched off and party wear and going out they were looking for this lovely cozy loungewear type comfy product and that's where I really benefited (laughs) from it if it wasn't the pandemic I don't know whether I would have grown so quickly in the first year and definitely this year has been a completely different trading year to last year you know I wasn't naive to think I was just going to grow in the same amount and I haven't and it's had its own challenges and COVID has affected my sales in a completely different way this time round. So I think I was lucky that I'd already established myself. I'd already done one collection. I'd already had some sort of infrastructure set up for the business that it wasn't literally my first collection. So I think timing wise for the business, it was it was just, yeah, great. <laughs> Good timing. But it, it definitely had its challenges. COVID really affected production, everything ran late. 
and just you know the general anxieties that everyone felt around that time I, at one point I didn't even know if I would be able to move forward with the business whether it was even worth going into production but I'm glad that I did in the end because <laughs> it, it did pay off <laughs> yeah I can imagine okay so when you and your agent approach these retailers to be stocked are there certain things that they look for like do they want to know volumes that you've already sold beforehand or yeah what, what are the like expectations of a brand coming in so you always need to have your line sheet set up which is a document where it literally has an image the style name maybe like a reference code your retail the rrp price and the wholesale price and then the markup um, that you're offering the wholesale customer. Um, so that's like a documentation that you always need to send because at the end of the day, they want to know how much it costs. It could be like the most beautiful product in the world, but if it doesn't fit in with their price range and they can't afford to buy it, then there's no point. And that just needs to be a simple, very clear document. And then to have a lookbook as well, or some sort of lifestyle or nice imagery to show off the product in a little catalogue as best as possible because these boutique owners need to visualise their customers buying it. So you're selling to them and you're selling to their vision of who their customer is. So whatever this lookbook is, it needs to appeal to them. And that's hard to do as well because you're kind of guessing what they want while still being true to the brand and making sure you've got your brand essence and your point of difference and your little stamp on it but without alienating the customer. It's it's a balance and it's an evolution and I'm still haven't I'm still learning. And every time I do a lookbook, I learn from it again and think, oh, okay, maybe next time we'll do it in a slightly different way or maybe this time we'll choose a different type of model. But yeah, it's having that ready to go. Making sure you know your numbers is really important because you have to, everything's negotiable and they might, if you're going in with a certain markup, which is too high for them, they might ask for a lower one and you need to be able to know what your lowest limit is so that if you sell it to them, you're not going to make a loss because that's no good to anyone. And yeah, it's it's also having the time to do it. Like it takes a long time to reach out to people. You know, you've got to research them. You've got to look at their website. You've got to look at their other brands, their other collections, making sure that you're aligned to it. For me, there's no point going for like a super high-end boutique that stocks like crazy expensive designer brands because they're just not going to want to stock me so it's just making sure that you are doing a bit of homework behind the scenes I decided to go down the independent route and there are lots and lots of independents but there are sometimes they're close by to each other so you want to make sure you're not targeting the same people on the same street because it they won't stop you if they've both got you (laughs) and you have to make sure that the wherever you are you're not in competition with other people like on the same high street so there's all these things to consider (laughs) and it takes time it really does just take time yeah definitely and with these boutiques do you have some sort of arrangement when it comes to how they pay like do they give you like a percentage up front and then they pay the rest on delivery do some of them work like via just commission yeah, because I guess for one of the challenges that designers have, especially like, you know, brand new designers or early stage designers is that boutique might want to stop them, but then they, the designer themselves has to, you know, pay the bill with the manufacturers and get all of these you know pieces made and then sent to them and they might not have the money. And sometimes, you know, upon completion, you can send it to a boutique and they're like, oh, you know, a zip was broken or something like that. And we're not going to take it anymore. There's so many horror stories in the fashion industry when it comes to wholesale. And whilst it is definitely a good route to go, I'm wondering like what sort of arrangement you have to kind of make sure they're happy, but you're also happy as well. Yeah, that's a really good question because everyone works on a slightly different business model. So I, on the most part, ask my wholesalers and stockists to pay upfront before they receive the stock but that's not with everyone some are have terms so they'll pay like 30 days later where there's risk because then they might not pay within those 30 days they might never pay <laughs> there's somewhere I do sale or return if they're a new boutique or they just want to trial the brand out and that again is you have to be really on top of your stock to know where things are but it hasn't counted as a sale so you know it's still still on your bottom line and you'd have to kind of keep on top of the stock levels between you and them and things always go missing all of a sudden oh I thought you had three of them and you're only saying you've got one but 
you didn't say you sold them and, and you end up, you know, that's a challenge to look after. And then when you go to the big retailers, they definitely work on payment terms that they'll pay you 30, 60 days, that they'll hold like volume of stock of you that they may never sell, that just comes straight back to you at the end of the season, but you can't sell it to someone else because it's sitting in their warehouse. There's so many different, there's so many different business models. And you really just have to work out what is right for you, what is manageable for you. Last year, I had a lot of sale or return stockists, which this year I've really scaled back because it wasn't manageable for me to manage. So yeah, you just have to work out what what is manageable, what works for you, but also what is going to get your foot in the door. Some of the sale or return stockists that I did last year turned out to be my best stockists. And it was so worth doing. And then this year, it's just grown and grown. So it's kind of like you might do it for one year. I would say you always have in your terms that it's just for a set amount of time that it's going to be rediscussed. So it's not just like five years or 10 years and you're locked into a certain term. And you can push back and you can question if a big retailer is saying it has to be this way, but they really want you, then you can negotiate. And, you know, don't be afraid to ask what you want as well you don't have to always just accept their terms might not work out <laughs> you know they might say things very much goodbye but you know you can negotiate as well but it's tricky just have processes have spreadsheets set up tracking everything because you will get in a muddle <laughs> definitely. definitely and you used to spend till midnight like just you know, packing away orders and just doing everything yourself. And you describe that period as quite lonely. And I'm wondering how you navigated that period. And then also now becoming a new mum, <laughs> how you're managing to do it all, because it's it's difficult. And like we were saying before we started recording, it's like basically when your daughter's ready <laughs> to do whatever she wants to do, you're ready to do what she needs to do. So yeah, how are you finding the, the whole balance thing? And what was that lonely period like for you at the time? Yeah, it was it was tough. I was literally in this like self-storage unit, which was dark and cold, and there was no one there because it was like midnight. You know, I was a woman on my own. My mum was always like, Are you okay? I'm like, like it is it does have a lot of security, but it was a bit scary. At the end of the day, I had a responsibility to get these orders out because people had paid for them. It was kind of that that forced me to just be like right we've just got to get on and do this and yes this is not ideal no you know this is no one wants to do this (laughs) but it's my business and this is where it's going and I just have to get on and do it I think it you know there's also the side that is like well it's obviously working if I'm here till midnight packing all these like loads of orders it's working so it's it's one of those things where I'm sure I'll look back that everyone who starts a successful business always looks back to those early days like a rite of passage it's just like how bloody dreadful it was but you have to graft and you have to be willing to get your hands dirty and roll up your sleeves and just be like right we're just gonna have to do that I'm just gonna have to do this luckily I have a very supportive family who did come in and help on the odd occasion especially when I had like a really big order I had a big Canada order that went out which was like 300 units and that was huge to pack so I like called in <laughs> called in the troops be like right come on guys (laughs) need your help here which was you know which is amazing that I have family locally and that they were able to do that because I know not everyone will have that but yeah you just I think if you're starting a business you're a driven person anyway um because otherwise you wouldn't have started your business (laughs) so it's that drive to succeed it's that drive to give that customer service look some people might have approached it a different way and said I'm only shipping out every third day and although the boutiques want their orders the next day you just make a rule and say no I'm going to do it every three days and for the website right I'm only going to pack orders every three days and actually that might have been a better way to approach it anyway because it would have been more manageable but I was, you know, so excited that I had the orders. I just wanted to pack them as quick as possible and get them out and have that customer service, making sure everything was like perfect, which it never is. But yeah, you just go through the motions. And I think when you're in it, you don't really realize what's going on. And then it's when you look back and reflect, you're like, oh, that was quite that was quite a challenge, wasn't it? When you're in it, you'll just keep you just keep going. Like 
Energy yeah. <laughs> I think if you stop to think then I feel like that just really slows you down like, yeah how do you do it I'm like I don't I just do it I don't, I don't have time to yeah. think about it because if I do <laughs> I won't be doing it so oh yeah <laughs> yeah managing uh, my new my new little lovely little baby it's been a, it's been a complete challenge it's been a complete whirlwind I'd really set up well I tried to set up a lot of processes before she was born help manage the workload so sourcing a third party fulfillment center hiring an assistant making sure I had like the most amount of buffer in my production so everything ran smoothly but such as life every which way things went horribly wrong on the <laughs> just big and operational side and I just had to get on with it luckily I've got a really supportive husband a really supportive family who came with me to the warehouse at orders when my baby was eight weeks the warehouse refused to do it for me I had friends who stepped in to help with managing the order processing when my assistant unfortunately got ill she's fine but she wasn't able to come back to work for me so I had friends who stepped in and helped you know having I'm very lucky that I have that additional support I'm very thankful for it but you kind of just do it people say to me like wow you're super mom I'm like I'm not because <laughs> I'm only you know not giving probably my baby the full attention or the business the full attention I'm just doing the best I can and that's okay you don't have to be super mom you kind of just have to still do what you can do yeah you just do what you can do but there have been times where I've just had to just take a step back and be like no my daughter is my priority and if I'm not going to answer this email, if that order is going to go late, if I haven't sorted this problem out, what can I do? My daughter is my priority. <laughs> definitely. I love that. Thank you. Your words in the past have been, I definitely didn't fit the traditional fashion mold. I loved fashion, but I didn't live and breathe it. I was never the prettiest or the most well-dressed and I didn't live the particular lifestyle. So I had challenges all the way through where team members didn't believe in me. They didn't think I was right for the role. How did you learn to deal with that sort of expectation of how you're supposed to be um, in the fashion industry and then just learn to accept and love yourself for who you are? It's taken a long time. (laughs) Definitely when I was, you know, a lot, younger and I was full of anxieties of what people thought of me you know I was very career-driven very focused um, and I believed in myself but it's hard to continuously get knocked back and to be looked in a certain way and to have feedback I think what I've now learned is that if you get criticism or if you get feedback you have to just not take it in a negative way you have to dissect dissect the elements that you can learn from even if the message and the way it's been received and the way it's been delivered isn't in the nicest way like just park that and work out where what are the elements you can actually learn from it so it's like oh okay fine you told me my range was crap but like what do you really mean oh okay actually it's because x y and z didn't really fit the customer mold that I was you know, aiming it for, or yes, actually, I do have two reds in there where they're going to be doing the same thing, you know, yeah. just off the top of my head examples. And I think, I mean, it sounds, I don't want to sound patronizing, but it just comes with time and age and just working on your personal development. I have, yeah, it's just taken time to realize, to not be defensive when people give you constructive feedback and just take the positive from it and learn from it and if you do make a mistake that's okay just learn from that mistake like don't beat yourself up don't let it go round and round in your head so you're having like sleepless nights for a week because of this one mistake you made and also like don't put your like managers on a pedestal you know they're human as well and actually they have lives outside work and they've come from a certain you know, culture and background and the way they speak to you might not be because of you, if you see what I mean. You know, you kind of have to put the human element on it, like, like what's going on in their life that they've just talked to me in this way? <laughs> like, what's going on with them? But it's it's tough. But I think if you've got the determination and, you know, you've got a dream, and this can be any industry, if you believe in yourself, just try and cut out the noise 
and just focus on what you want to do and home in your skills and learn just learn 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 just absorb everything and then yeah you kind of get to a point where you can just take a deep breath when you do get criticism or feedback and yeah accept it in a different way (laughs) yeah yeah definitely just comes with growth (laughs) yes annoyingly it just does (laughs) no other way I'm curious as to what's been your worst day on the job. What's been a day when you thought, I don't know if I can do this anymore? I think when my warehouse handed me my notice in the middle of the season was probably like, yeah, was one of the harder times. So very quick background of my logistical nightmare story that when I first launched, I joined a fulfillment center who was a friend who had a startup absolute disaster they just weren't ready for the brand but it was really high pressured at the time because I'd literally just started I didn't really know what I was doing so we exited them then I did it all myself last year then at the beginning of this year I moved into a third party because I realized I needed support on it and then once we actually launched in September the service just went from pretty bad anyway to zero and they wouldn't send things out they wouldn't receive things in I couldn't communicate with them it was just absolutely awful the client Canada order that needs to go that they were just refusing to do they weren't even picking up they were like screening my calls I had to get my sister to ring them because I knew they were just ignoring my number (laughs) it was awful so and then I was trying to organize a face-to-face with them to kind of work out what was going wrong and that's when they handed me my notice my one month notice which was in the terms and conditions but naively I just thought well you know it's never going to happen or if it is going to happen you know if we are if there was a reason we were going to leave it would be much more amicable or it wouldn't be you know that which was a big lesson learned like look at your terms and conditions and if if it's not right like build more time in Anyway, so they handed me my notice. You know, I had an eight-week old. I was right in the middle of my season. I had all these wholesale orders I needed to send out. I had this giant Canada, and it was just like, I don't know how I'm going to manage this. I was like, how am I going to find a new warehouse? Like, are we going to have to bring this back in-house? Like, I don't physically know how we're going to do that because there's so much stock. (laughs) Like, I hadn't, you know, there was so much. And I was like, I can't put that on my family again for us to do I was just like, I don't know how, I actually don't know how I'm going to do this. But, you know, you have your day. I had a whole day of just like absolute breakdown. Um, And then you find a way to pick yourself back up. And then I was like, actually, no, these people aren't going to be the reason why my business fails. Like, absolutely not. How dare they think they're so grand and wonderful that they think, you know, that this is going to be the reason that my business fails. So I, off I went and found like, went and researched new new warehouses I went and visited them um, and it was you know sadly I had to do it quite quickly I didn't really give it the right I would have liked to have spent longer but it was what it was and then managed to move mid-season which was horrendous and it took much longer to onboard than I planned because these things always do but now we're in the new warehouse and hopefully this one will stick it's this awful, not awful, like weird limbo time for my business that I'm too big to do it myself, but not really big enough for anyone to take seriously. I've lots of businesses end up going through this challenge and it's finding other businesses that will help support the growth of you whilst not charging you absolute fortune <laughs> because you can't afford it. It is a balance. I'm really hoping my new warehouse you know it works and we can just find a happy home and then they can help support me grow that's that's what what it's all about but yes that was probably my darkest day to date (laughs) I mean you have to go through it to to learn and I guess for anyone listening it's it's very normal and okay to want that like success and everything is it's definitely great and obviously if you're working hard for you should get it but just bearing in mind that there will be challenges that come with it and sometimes we just don't even think about it and I don't think oh. of us have really spoken about logistics that much so I think this would actually be very helpful for people to consider <laughs> finding yeah it's it's and people say like okay you know what can you learn from this I'm like I don't know what I can learn from this because they just 
basically they just landed three bigger clients and then literally turned around to me and told me we don't need you anymore it's like nothing can prepare you for that (laughs) how would I have known that was ever going to happen now when I go into it I tell this story and say are you going to do this for me Mm -hmm. (laughs) anything you can prepare is your mindset that's the only thing (laughs) yeah to be aware that this could happen yeah and you know you just have to be agile and fix it as as quick as possible and but also it's okay to have those days where you're like life is over and it's okay to have those days where you just sit sit in a dark room and don't do anything while you process like you need to be able to process these things but then you also need to be able to pick yourself back up yeah and carry on another day yeah so you were nominated for women's wear brand of the year by drapers which is a very very huge organization in fashion industry so congratulations thank you yes it was the um independent on the they have two awards so one is like for I guess proper brand (laughs) and then the other one is for independence so there was the independent one (laughs) okay got it besides that what's been the most rewarding part of the brand It sounds almost superficial, but I think for me, getting press has been very rewarding. Uh, I was featured in New Magazine and Observer. I've been in Drapers. I've been in Cosmopolitan. Thankfully, magically, I've managed to get quite good press throughout the the years. And I think it's kind of having that like stamp of approval that what I'm doing is actually sellable (laughs) and desirable so much so that people are putting it in their magazines to say to other people, hey, come and buy this. And for me, especially being in fashion my whole career, and you know, that was something we always did was search, search the magazines to see if our, you know, if the brand had been featured and make a big song and dance about it if it had. So for me, that's been really, really rewarding. But also having lines that sell out, again, I mean, to be fair, just selling anything is amazing. <laughs> The fact that I know that across the country, there's lots of people walking around in my jumpers. I'm like, that's amazing that every time an order comes through, I'm like, wow, someone that likes what I've designed so much so that they're going to part with their hard earned money for it. And that's just, you know, that's incredible for me. (laughs) No, I love that. And I think the press thing I guess it because it just validates everything that you're doing uh sometimes yeah. not that that not that you need it to validate it but it is a nice sort of feeling like you know what this is real and yeah. when it's like established publications like the ones that you've mentioned as well yeah. kind of gives you that like a boost of confidence like you know what it's okay I've got this so yeah like this okay I think I might be onto something here <laughs> love that is there anything you do for yourself in terms of like self-development or is there books that you read or just things that you've that have helped you through your journey especially now as a mum making sure I've got a good support system within my business world has been absolutely invaluable I've got a few key friends that they're slightly different stages of their business but kind of going through a similar thing and just having people to talk to has been my lifesaver. I've got a, a friend who is actually the personal development coach who has set up her own business recently. And she's just had a baby like a month after mine. So we've been talking about our journey of like how you run a business with a small child. Like, how is this even possible? <laughs> and um, yeah, I've got friends who've got dresses brands and all the challenges they find. And it's just having people to talk to. You don't realize how important it is and people who aren't just like your family because obviously they're there they're great to offload to but it's good to have people outside your family because also you don't always want to just offload to your family like oh they hear everything the good the mainly the bad (laughs) and it's just and I think also it just helped me realize that the challenges I've been going through aren't unique to me that everyone goes through these challenges and that's fine and you just you know navigate you can navigate them together. So that, that's that been really, really helpful for me. Yeah, that's, yeah. That, yeah. And that's <laughs> honestly part of why I created that coffee table book because I remember when I first started, I literally thought that I was, you know, having the worst of it and no one's gone through what I've gone through and why is it always me? And then I started to speak to other designers. I started going to networking events and just other entrepreneurs in general. And I was like, oh, it's not just me, you know? And yeah. That, 
table book was really for that person who's just starting out or maybe a couple of years in, but, you know, still early stage and they need to be reminded that they're not alone. Like, and yeah. the, the letters in the story are all so unique because they're obviously all independent brands, but they're all gone through their own like separate set of challenges. But I think the key reminder was that they have gone through challenges. Every yeah. time, there's no one in that book that said oh it's been easy it's been great you know yeah. no one everyone's got some sort of like you know crazy story there um, yeah well there's this an encourage in the book as well so make sure you go and get your copy of dear designer um on the entry platform.com slash shop and um, but yeah it's yeah definitely have to say you need a support system you need absolutely it. Yeah. <laughs> do you have any recommendations to help aspiring designers or emerging brands on their journey Yes, let me scroll. I've made notes on this one. Uh, well, we've touched on the network bit already, making sure you have a network, a support system, like go to networking events. Like they'd some on the outset, they seem a bit tacky or like a bit like, oh, nerve wracking. Maybe you're not that, you know, you find it difficult to walk into a room. Full, well, if we can walk into a room full of people that you don't know, um, or even on like these Zoom conferences where they stick you in a breakout room with like all these people on a screen that you've never met before. Like it's it's scary, but like just push yourself to do it um, because you never know who you're going to meet. You never know who's going to help support you, be your cheerleader. And I've met loads of people all, all throughout the journey, which, yeah, so I definitely make sure you you network and create a network for yourself. I would say don't wait for perfection is a big lesson that I've learned um, because your brand is your business, your brand, it's an evolution and where you start isn't where you end. And I remember from my website, I built it myself and I was like driving myself mad trying to make it look absolutely perfect. And I was going to push back the launch and I was just, someone said like, don't wait just launch and then just amend it as you go and just evolve it as you go and I actually look back to what that first website looked like I'm like oh my god that was awful (laughs) because I thought it was amazing at the time (laughs) so you know it's never going to be perfect so don't just just keep going like just 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 start basically and the product might not be perfect but also you you know you tend to get very insular in these things and you've got a vision of what it's supposed to look like but no one else knows that and as long as it's commercial then actually that's okay fine if the stripe layout isn't the exact stripe layout that you want like your customer was never going to know that or if the shade the colors turned out slightly different as long as you're happy you know you're happy and it's not miles away from what you want you have to put your commercial hat on and say like right let's just let's just go for it and we can evolve and we can grow and you know it never st- it never stays the same for long anyway. And then the last is be agile. I think the pandemic, if anything, has taught us that you have to be willing to adapt and willing to change. And what your business started at might not be where it ends. Like I've seen there's a dress brand who uh, stocked in a lot of my boutiques and they were like a formal, more formal going out occasion wear. And over the pandemic, they just had to completely pivot now they do amazing loungewear and like super cool hoodies and they had to make that decision to change what they were doing otherwise their business was going to go under and I think you just have to always adapt and just learn from your previous collections learn from your previous experience draw out what was good recognize what was not so good and and move it on Um, especially with fashion we know fashion doesn't stand still and you don't want to be left behind and you don't want your product to get stale or boring. Also, you don't want to move too far away from what you started at. You know, it's all a balance. But I think don't like be willing to change your direction and be willing to take on board, you know, people's not people like people's opinions, people's feedback, like just learn from it and just don't be stubborn don't dig your heels in because you're, that's what you wanted. Like it might not actually be right or it might not work. And that's, you know, that's okay to, to change a bit. <laughs> no, definitely. Uh, thank you for that. And where can our listeners find you? You can find me uh, on my website. So www.faraandthespy.com. 
can find me on Instagram, Cara and the Spy, on Facebook. More so, you can find me on a couple of marketplaces. So I'm on Wolf and Badger. Um, I'm on Silk Thread. Um, and I might be in one of your local boutiques on your high street. So go have a look. And if I'm not there, <laughs> ask them to stop me. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much i'm gonna put all of that in the description guys so you can just easily tap and find cara wherever you need to find her so thank you so much cara that was an amazing episode you provided us so much information from logistics to just generally how to navigate your business as well as you can in those early stages and obviously how you're managing to do it now so i really appreciate it thank you so much for having me on this has been really fun (laughs) Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. I hope you're inspired to take action on your dreams right away. If you enjoyed it, please leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. This really helps us expand our show and reach more people just like you. Until next time, keep striving and thriving.